The first ever color photograph has been confirmed to be taken in 1850, but a helotype technique used caused colors to fade quickly when exposed to light for viewing. So the photograph was enhanced by painting over it, causing it to be treated as a hoax up until recently. Welcome to two thirds imperial ish metrics nerdness podcast. I'm Rasmus. And I'm Red. And you meant two thirds bald eagle. And I'm Jan. And I'm Steel. Hey. 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 So, what are, what are you doing in my living room? Or, <laughs> I guess it's all the way around. <laughs> uh, right now, you're visiting me. I had to pick you up at the airport because right. you didn't want to do the, the, the train here. So, I had to go all the way in traffic and go, fi- <laughs> go and find you. <laughs> So the, the real question is, uh, Raz, were you invited or did you invite yourself to visit Stian? Yeah, invited or invaded. <laughs> I think technically I invited myself. Okay. Uh, but uh, Stian might have a different of, of opinion. Uh, no, I think that's right. That's, that's how it usually goes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So where are you, Raz? Uh, San Francisco or oh. more specifically Berkeley. Yep. Okay. But it's, it, I mean, from Europe, it's all San Francisco anyway. So. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So you saw, you saw the bridge? I did the bridge. Uh, yeah. we, we even drove on it. Ooh. So, I mean, didn't see anyone jumping, but I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Usually it's a good sign when yeah. you don't see anyone. So, but, uh, tell, would, no, yeah. tell us about your trip first, a little bit. Yeah, because well, no, I, I mean, he could introduce himself first of all. No, when we come to him. In like 30, 30, 30 seconds, so minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, very long story short, um, I did the market that weekend it was, and then basically collapsed at home at like seven o'clock and started packing, and then went to the, got up at six a.m. the next morning and got on a flight to San Francisco, and then I've been here now. Well, I landed Monday and it's Wednesday, so I've been there a couple of days. And yesterday we went out to uh, meet Leah Arpach and see her workshop. Yeah, nice. And I, I, like, I was thinking like, oh, it would be nice to just come in, say hello, have a little bit of a walk around and see what, what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And then we stayed for five, five hours and we're talking and she bought us burritos of a Mexican food truck and like... We're doing it a full American experience, apparently. Nice. <laughs> no, nobody's jealous. No one. No, no, no. I can tell. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been like amazing fun. But it's also really weird to have seen so many pop culture bits about San Francisco and then sort of, sort of just be here and just look at the thing and it's like, oh, I recognize the name. I recognize the name. I've seen that place before. And like, it almost feels familiar, but like that pop culture distance familiar like everything is a bit different and yeah we can go deeper into that later on but it's uh it's the us is weird yep yep <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've been there only once but uh, and for a very short period of time but it it felt so different from what I've known in Europe, that it was yeah, like... that was that was all at the the class at Jimmy's. Yeah, exactly. So it was like four days. I've I've seen uh, an American airport, uh, a car, uh, Jimmy's farm, <laughs> Brett's house, Jimmy's farm, Brett's house, Jimmy's farm, Brett's house, 
uh, another car, another airport, and that was it. Really? <laughs> but it was an, it was a very interesting uh, experience. So yeah, I I I bet your your trip in the US is like very weird, but also very exciting. So yeah, I'm not jealous at all. Yeah, as I said. <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, one of the weirdest things has been having so many people with an American accent yeah. around me. <laughs> because, like, it, yeah, no, I, I've 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 been to the UK plenty of times now, and I heard like yeah. all of the yeah. plethora of dialects you have there. But being here, it's like it's it's the same. I still understand it, but it's very different. <laughs> yeah, it's the real deal. Yeah. So how long are you staying with Chan? Uh, uh, just till tomorrow, and then heading over to Rhode Island, Rhode Island, and visiting John and teaching a knife making class at the Steel Yard. Yeah, I've seen that. It's been on Instagram. Yeah, John did a stupid thing of posting it, so now Steve knows I'm here. Uh, <laughs> he just texted me like a couple of hours ago, like, "Ha! I made you. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> it's not gonna save him though. No, yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll probably forget it a couple of minutes anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so I'll I'll be staying for nearly another week and a half. Nice. So that's been your week so far. Jan, how are you? Who are you? What are you doing in the US? Uh, I'm good, thank you. That's the American way, right? Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, well, right now I'm hosting Rasmus because yeah. he was like, oh yeah, I'll show up sometime in September, maybe. And I was bugging him all of June to, you have to make sure you buy the goddamn plane tickets because they're gonna be super expensive in very short time. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll look into it. <laughs> That's the way it usually goes with Rasmus. Yeah, exactly, it's like picking up packages from the post office and other fun <laughs> stuff. Off. Yeah, 10 days after it arrived. <laughs> but he actually, he actually committed and bought some plane tickets, so I was uh, very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised. Nice. Uh, That's a first. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be there a week, and then a week turned into four days, and then four days turned into two and a half days. Yeah, I, yeah. well, it's time travel as well. So, I mean, the, the weird, really weird thing was taking off from, I guess, Copenhagen technically at uh, 11 o'clock, and then mm -hmm. landing here at 2 o'clock. Yeah. But I've yeah. spent 11 hours in the air. Yeah, lo losing a day very, very strange. I mean, I, yeah, it's sort of, I, I sort of gain an extra day in San Francisco, almost. Yeah. yeah. But I also end up losing a full day when I travel back home again. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I meant. When I was doing the back and forth between France and, and Japan, it was like, oh, it's, it's today again. And then you leave and it, <laughs> it's the next day. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's it's super weird. But yeah, time traveling is also fun. At least I'm not crossing like the the the, um, the time date line, whatever yeah. it's called, like yeah. going through yeah. across the Pacific, because that would be absolutely fucked up. I would love to do that. <laughs> like, like you're leaving the same day over and over again. Keep, keep, no, keep on traveling around. Day. It's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Stian. Please, no, no worries. <laughs> Go on. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, long story short, I'm here with my wife because she's doing a PhD back in Oslo and Ooh. she got a travel grant to go stay here on a research day okay. uh, and then bring me with her. So we're here nice. for a total of five months and we were or originally supposed to be here in August of 2020 yeah. and staying for eight months. But then everything happened in 2020 and we yeah. didn't have to, we weren't able to go or technically I think we were allowed to go, but we would have to stay inside this tiny apartment 
and yeah. we chose to rather stay back home in Norway where thing were things were a little bit less uh, chaotic I would say yeah because of the healthcare system here uh, the which healthcare system yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what healthcare system are you talking about <laughs> yeah so we're here now um, can I ask uh, what what the PhD is about uh, she uh, she's uh, her field is nuclear physics wow so she's wow. writing a PhD about uh, angular momentum in Oh, I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't need to understand it, but like memorize the name. Yeah. Well, she hasn't read, uh, written her thesis yet. Oh, so okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Technically, I I should know this, but I don't remember exactly the. No, the don't worry. It's like like very very sharp physics, like nuclear yeah. physics. It's like yeah, it's very specific. Very nice. She's writing okay. about tiny stuff. And how how do you spend your time, if I may ask? Uh, well, since we're only here for five months, uh, my visa condition says that I can't do any paid work while I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could apply for a working permit when I came to the US, but it was at least three months wait time. Yeah. So I decided to not bother a, an employer with like, oh, can you do all this paperwork oh, for that, me? That's a great excuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also with the, with the travel grant, I don't have to, even though with the all that's been going on with the inf- inflation stuff and then the the war on Ukraine, the the dollar is so uh, it has become so expensive. Mm-hmm. So everything mm-hmm. is like fifty percent more expensive than when we planned to come here. Yeah. So yeah, uh, my days are spent uh, doing uh, all of the fun things I want to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm working two days a week for Habitat for Humanity. They're yeah. building uh, ho- housing for for poor and homeless people. Nice. Uh, affordable housing. Which there is no shortage of in San Francisco, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of uh, homeless people and yeah, a lot of housing problems. So I'm doing that two days a week since I, I work as carpenter back home. I'm mm-hmm. on a sabbatical whilst I'm here. So it, it feels... It's both nice being able to do the the work for like the volunteer stuff for mm. the the need the, the needy people or the people that in need would be the, the right way to say it. <laughs> One of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also uh, I get a little bit more uh, an insight of what the, the the construction business or how they do construction over here. Yeah. So it's yeah. uh, it's also interesting for me. And I'm also been a member of a local makerspace, makerspace here in the northern part. Of- nice. So I'm uh, cool. also uh, been doing a bit uh, of my own projects there, and then also doing the some volunteering there as well. Uh, the next volunteering thing I'm working on there right now is building a new work work table for them. Nice. Because nice. they've been up- they're right now upgrading their CNC <laughs> to a full size CNC machine, so they have to do some uh, changes to the workshop so i'm a part nice. of that cool and you've been taking uh, and you've been taking a few classes there as well uh, uh yes and no it's more like certification classes in order to use the tools right okay yeah. because okay. Yeah. this is america and you need certification to touch anything or else there's a liability problem <laughs> we, have, we have the same thing here in my local maker space, you have to get certification to use all the machines, so you have to follow a, a class. It's usually one one or two hours for small machines like three printers and laser engraver yeah. stuff like that. But it can uh, take up to a day for a CNC machine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally get it. 
Cool. So yeah, that's my days. You're living on the campus of Berkeley. Uh, not on campus. We're in uh, a private apartment, just 15 minutes walk from the campus. Okay. So it's still like uh, I would say it's not downtown, but it's like in the middle in the middle of Berkeley. So it, it yeah, it's nice doing like Friday beers with all her colleagues. It's just a walk away and yeah, stuff like that. Nice. It's very nice. Uh, especially seeing that we have a house in the outermost part of suburbia or outside of suburbia back home in Oslo or mm -hmm. outside Oslo. So it's nice having an opportunity to try living in the city in an yeah. apartment. Yeah. Do you like it more than the suburbs in, in Norway? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jan, what about you? How was your week? Um, pretty good. I was back visiting Kiel. I think the last time we talked, I was staying at the hotel yeah. um, across the uh, train station. Yeah. So nice. uh, the day after that, I went up to, uh, it's called Büsum, which is like on the northern coast of Germany. How is it called again? Uh, Büsum. Okay. It's uh, oh, B and then the umlaut U, okay. S U M. Yeah, no, we're not going to spell it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fun with, have fun with that one. Um, Says the guy that make up yeah, Norwegian exactly. city names all the time. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's like, especially from the two guys that have like weird like slashes and crosses all, <laughs> all through the dictionary. Um, no, it is, um, it's a coastal town in um, the northern part. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. It's about probably like another one and a half to two hours away from Denmark. So yeah. pretty high up there. And um, yeah, no, just uh, stayed there, basically arrived there in the afternoon, um, spent some time basically working out of the hotel room, uh, went out for dinner. It was absolutely fantastic weather, like nice, cool, like 18 degrees, um, sunshine, a little wind going on. So it's not too warm. It's just, ah, it, it and it's always, it marks the, end of my journey basically going up north yeah so the next morning at 8 30 i had my appointment in Heide, which is about like 25 minutes away uh with one of my uh distributors and then after that i started driving back the 860 mm -hmm. 870 kilometers yay yeah and i started driving i think at 9 30 in the morning and i arrived there at home Oh, I think it was like six o'clock, six yeah. fifteen. So pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I did pretty yeah, good yeah. time. Well, I mean, German autobahn, no speed limits, and when you're up north, there's actually no cars on the road, so it's basically <laughs> pulling on two hundred and fifteen kilometers an hour, or um, I don't know, like ultrasonic eagle speed in, in burial, <laughs> and just go down the autobahn for kilometers of kilometers, like one hundred and thirty. Still a long drive though. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Nine to six. It's yeah. Yeah. It was. It's a pretty long drive. It takes a lot out of you. Um. Like after basically passing Hamburg, you go down to 130 kilometers an hour, which is probably like 80 miles per hour. I so would slow guess. Slow all of a sudden. Uh it's it's a comfortable way to drive because it's just not as stressful and people drive like shit. So like driving really has gone to shit during Corona because most people didn't drive for two years. It feels yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. um, so yeah, 
130 kilometers an hour gives you the time to react to certain mm -hmm. situations. Not, not like doing 210 and having somebody pull out with like 80 in front uh, of you, yeah, yeah. just like without have, turning signals or anything, just like pulling out. Yeah, yeah that, that gives you a heart attack. No, it was pretty good. Um, so I was back home then over the weekend and then just started working normally. Um, basically, oh, well, normally I arrived Friday evening. Um, we met some friends Saturday morning. I went to help a friend of ours move with Steph, like Steph and I went there. Mm -hmm. So I uh, started at nine o'clock in the morning and I moved her from one apartment to the apartment she bought till like four o'clock in the afternoon nice. uh, with like 10 other people. So that that's been like a whole day's job. Um, on Sunday, my cousin got married. So we went Yay. to a party there, yeah, which was really nice. And um, yeah, then basically Monday just was back to work. So cool. yeah, it's just normal day of work, nothing too special. Nice. No e-bike problems or? Oh, e-bike problems. They, they, they were there on Monday. I drove my e-bike to the um, shop to get it repaired. And of course it started raining. <laughs> Again. <laughs> like it was it was sunny it was basically sunny all day. Like Monday it was just like, yep, four o'clock. Yeah, let's get on my bike. I just get on the bike and I drive around the corner and I feel the first drop of rain and it starts raining in like the same second, like it starts pouring, the motor turns off again. <laughs> I just gotta go like, oh fuck that. <laughs> so I'm standing I mean, there. Sorry for you, but it's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Especially like I'm standing there, like waiting for forever. I'm like soaked in there, and they're like, "Well, we have a spare bicycle for you." And I'm looking at it. It's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? He's looking at me like, "What?" He's looking outside. He's going like, "Oh, yeah." They gave me a mountain bike, fully like a fully suspension, oh. but there are no guards on it, neither the oh. front nor the back. So yeah, driving yeah. through the rain. You basically not only get soaked, but you also got like the mud sprinkles like all over my back and over everything. Nice. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's just like you up. really you 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 giving me like a spare bike. This is which is nice, but also in the contract. But it has no guards while raining. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was that. The rest of the week was pretty uneventful. And also, how good are your friends? How many animals did you have to move when you helped them move? <laughs> Oh, no, no, hey, no, no. That's thank, thank, thankfully, oh, you're one of those poor bastards. Um, no, thankfully, no, he's no the one animals. who's been sneaking away. Oh, okay. That's a good thing. Every single time I've been moving, it's like, no, I'm I'm busy. I'm, I'm out hunting or yeah, something but that stupid. Just means, that just means he knows you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I guess so. No, it was just cartons after cartons. No, it was really good organized move, to be honest. Like, um, big props to uh, her from uh, like moving that way like everything was pre-packed just like grabbing bags the furniture everything was pre-sorted like inside it was really clear what goes and what stays so that was good for when it comes to move but it just like still it's an old building it's like um i think uh she has like a loft and um the whole roof was rebuilt in there were still drawings on there the last time in 1785 so 1785 there was drawings on there like let wow. let there be known this new roof was built so of course there's new um how do you call it like the roofing itself was redone later on but the wooden frame 
of the roof. Yeah, they changed was the style, done. but but not the ca- the like exactly. No, that that was yeah. done in seventeen uh, eighties. Yeah, so really impressive, really nice apartment, but also means it's uh, the third or fourth floor. So so it's like carrying everything up the stairs to the fourth yeah. floor. Uh, good workout. Oh yeah, no, it was and it was fun. Good people. There was pizza. So yeah, the the moving food. Yeah. <laughs> Red, how about you? Uh, what about me? Um, work don't, as don't, usual. Don't look so confused and surprised. Like we want to hear about your. Work. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was just trying to remember what I did this week because it it uh, holds to me. It sums up to yesterday, which which was a long day of uh, small repairs uh, in the house, in the new house. We had a leak under the kitchen sink for uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, so I had to deal with that finally uh, because I, I went to the store, bought everything that I needed to do so because I had time to do so. so and, now I, you love, I, lo- and now you love plumbing. I fucking love plumbing. It's the greatest <laughs> job in the world. I I would do that every it's single day. No. I don't like plumbing at all it's it i mean i i really understand the job is interesting uh the, the the way you provide people drinking water and 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 showers and stuff it's like really rewarding to be able to do that but it's so uncomfortable to work on on plumbing in the house it's always under a sink or behind a wall and it's it's always very very um, uncomfortable and and quite physical. So yeah, I don't really enjoy that. So yeah, I had to to, to fix the leak. I had to change the faucet. I had to also change the um, uh, safety uh, device under the uh, water tank that we have. Oh yeah. Okay. So control unit something something. Yeah, you know there is this big tank of hot water and it the, the boils the water during the night and there is a security valve underneath. Uh, so when the pressure gets too high, it leaks on purpose. But mine was leaking oh, yeah, yeah. like all the time. So because it was an old one, so I had to change that. Um, so yeah, and it was obviously behind the door underneath a drawer and everything. So yeah, um, fun stuff. And that 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 really messed up my back and and my shoulders so um i took the rest of the day to relax and uh and today i almost finished my uh tool wall uh right behind me yay it it almost looked nicer yeah i still have a few tools to hang to the walls but it's like 90 percent done so tomorrow morning it will be done so happy with it i have everything that i need in front of me when i'm working and doing laser uh, work and yeah i'm i'm that that's basically my week otherwise it's like work as usual uh designing stuff uh, editing videos and and working on customers projects so yeah pretty pretty uneventful week uh, ah, you're right Jan would say also your video release which was freaking awesome Thank you. Uh, yeah, I also released a video that nobody watched. We watched it. <laughs> you guys yeah. did. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, uh, pretty. Uh, just to say, yeah, a, a quick word about that. I, I enjoyed making the video. I, I really liked the video. I think it's it's not a bad one. 
uh unfortunately i think youtube i kind of lost the appeal that it had a few years back uh for a lot of, lot of people probably because of all the new features of instagram with the reels and tiktok with yeah. the, the the speed uh, that you can uh, which uh, with you can get uh, a lot of different context uh, content uh, only videos and and yeah i don't know uh it, it feels like uh youtube is getting old or it's just me and my channel or i don't know the numbers seems to be down for a lot of people when it comes to views yeah. um so yeah it's a little bit uh discouraging uh, to spend a week working on a project and and um, not getting any views but, but i'm not I mean, complaining that- there could, there could be multiple reasons to that, though. Like, one thing is, like, just the algorithm of YouTube mm-hmm. be, having changed for you for some reason. Yeah. Uh, another is, like you say, like, uh, Instagram and TikTok taking sort of a bit more of a market share. But there's also the fact, like, it, the pandemic is sort of over. Like, people are more outside and not so much closed up inside. With yeah, yeah, also that. So, yeah. like, uh, I think, I don't think it's just you in that sense i think mm. it's just the market is changing because yeah. people and circumstances change absolutely uh, also also red this is one of your classic videos yeah but you've been experimenting a lot and you've doing some sponsor videos with like printers laces and everything like that yeah, yeah. so it might just take for people like a couple of videos for the projects to like come back to you know when you're used to seeing a certain format all the time so basically the last ones maybe scared some off and it just needs some time to go back to it uh, question though yeah uh just dealing with the this was a sponsored video right uh no. it was not really a sponsored video they sent me the the printers but they didn't ask for anything like okay. just, just yeah. they, they just uh asked me to make a project with the printers the the resin uh 3d printers and just show the printers a little bit but no money no other requirement okay. so it was like uh, sponsored but not sponsored yeah because i was such i guess it's not that relevant but i was just curious about how would you deal with a client who was expecting a video to have a lot more views mm-hmm. and then it doesn't like did you is there like a number of views sort of guaranteed in the contract with them have you done that before uh i've done i've done multiple uh contracts uh, so to speak with with brands uh because they wanted to uh promote uh, a machine or a brand or their brand or special product. So I was like, okay, send me the stuff. I will show them in my videos. But um, depending on the brand, I was sometimes asking for money, but like not yeah. crazy amount of money. It was like a hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to make them pay and not just send free stuff that they produce in order to get a lot of visibility or like quote unquote, lot of visibility on my channel uh because of my numbers and stuff so they they were always the one asking me to promote something and not the other way around so when it comes to a paid contract with a brand they expect uh, views uh, yeah of like, course like you are paying we are paying a certain amount we are sending you stuff and that obviously that costs money to produce and send you the said stuff so they are expecting a certain num- number of views with the uh, recent uh, partnership that I had with other mm. this uh, laser engraving uh, manufacturers, uh, there is no such thing. Like they are, they are just asking me to 
use the product and show it in a video. Uh, I'm, I'm not in, I have no obligation of saying anything special. I have no obligation to make anything special. It's like, we will, would like you to test out our product and that's it. So yeah. basically I can say whatever I want, but yeah. And it, I, takes, and it takes a lot of pressure off you and you don't, like your only thing you're giving them back in this transaction is just a video. It's not guaranteed amount of views or anything. Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. Uh, the little thing I know about like how commercial spots on TV works is like they are buying a certain amount of views on yeah. that commercial. Yeah. So if and, and and sort of that's easy when you have like oh we want like the 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 the, the commercial just in front of Game of Thrones or something yeah and they know like Game of Thrones is viewed by X number of people mm -hmm. every single episode it's so like okay that's a fairly guaranteed thing they can sell that exactly yeah. and if they get more that's a bonus yeah. but if it's like a lot less than what they the the, the commercial uh, agency tried to buy then they also end up being obligated to run that commercial again and again until it uh, gets the amount of views that they actually bought it initially. Which is kind of fair, I think. Uh, I, I think I mean, it's a fair I, way, but it's also, I'm just thinking that seems like a lot of stress for a simple YouTuber. But I know people have done that as well, more or less to be kind and sort of keep the relationship good. Um, no, you're right. I think it's a lot of stress when you are working with a brand, uh, any brand and with any kind of contract because you know that you are not uh, only working for yourself, but you're also um, endorsing a brand and the product. So you have to be very sure that the product is nice. And I wouldn't, uh, and we had the, the both of us this conversation like quite recently, I wouldn't do anything for views. And, and that, that could also be an interesting topic uh, for the podcast, but um, I have my principle, I have my a certain way of doing stuff on my channel. And so I, I don't want to promote stuff I don't believe in. I wouldn't yeah. pro promote stuff that I don't think it's it's a good product or it could be useful to someone. So everything that I show on my channel from a brand is from my makeup point of view, something interesting. Uh, although the brand is uh, not asking me to uh, get any amount of views or any kind of results, it puts a lot of stress on on me because I represent the brand somehow. Uh, for that specific video and I also don't want my subscribers or viewers to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to force sell them something like I'm presenting you something that oh you should buy it no it's like an option amongst others so I it's the the it's super stressful to to be between the anvil and the hammer, or the hammer and the anvil, the brand and the viewers. What, what are you doing now? You're using blacksmithing metaphors? <laughs> yeah, Jan started last week, so I was like, hmm, well, <laughs> why, why, why not try it? <laughs> what? This is my thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's kind of stressful because you want to, to make a, a, an interesting video for the viewers, and you want mm. to, don't want to betray them uh, in any way. Uh, because you know that if they feel like tricked or trapped, they will unsubscribe and not watch anymore. So that that's yeah. one thing. But you also want to do the job that you are you you've talked about or uh, uh, yeah talked about with the brand. You want to be respectful uh, to the brand and that these people are sending you you are sending you free stuff for you to try and use and then you own it. So it's a fine fine limit to find uh, between what 
how you want to promote a product or show a product and being um, truthful to yourself and your viewers. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it, it, it creates, personally, it creates more stress for me to do a video for a brand or f uh, with a product from a brand than yeah. whatever the fuck I want to do usually. There's, there's a YouTuber which I really appreciate for how he's doing it. Um, you know, Gerald Undone. I think I did a yeah. focus on him before. Yeah, you did, yeah. Um, he makes it absolutely clear. I, I love that. Before even the video starts, he goes there and it's like, this is the product I received. No money has changed hands. But I've been supplied with this product by the company. And like either I get to keep it or I have to give it back afterwards. And this is like basically, it's like, still normal review just so you guys know and he yeah, does yeah. it in front of every video where he has like that that content or where he gets that part he that reviews like a very fair way of doing it yeah exactly and it's just like it's i mean the whole thing takes like 10 seconds in front of the video and then the normal video starts certain mm -hmm. one would refuse though that that you put that in the video because there's the they have the final say on the editing of the video and the content of the video before publishing a video i have to send them a link so they review the video and if, if they are not happy with the content they can say no you you have to change that you have to remove that or we would like to um to see more of these or, or more of those so it, it i mean you are working for them at that point when you are uh, when you have a contract with with a brand, you are you are an employee of the brand, even if it's for one video or more. Um, you you have to please them in a way. Uh, the 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 thing is that I'm not paid to do so, so I I don't have to comply that much. I mean, I I, I I'm not putting that much effort in a video. Um, for a brand and sending me something that costs like 500 bucks uh, compared to a video that I would have to make for a company that would pay uh, 5,000 euros for the videos. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> the investment, the personal investment is not the same. Yeah. That being said, I'm trying my best to create good content for any brand with any, any kind of contract that I have. But I, I know and I understand, as Jan said, that um, some of my viewers or followers can be a bit like unsure of what's coming next when they see me promote a product. But turns out that I'm really interested in laser engraving, especially for leather. So that that was the the starting point of, of all of this. And and yeah. shit, I have to pay bills. So if I can keep the laser engravers and sell them afterwards, yeah, why not? So so yeah, it's been. Um, that was my week. Why the fuck are we talking about that? It was, yeah, it was just to be what... You're French. <laughs> you, you went on a tangent. Uh, yeah, <laughs> indeed. So, you have a topic? <laughs> Hopefully no guillotines involved this time. Yeah, no, uh, it will come. <laughs> Maybe soon. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, topic-wise, I, I was sort of curious, partially a bit sort of being here with Stian now, and uh, all of us having done this whole cultural jump at some point to different parts of the world and living there. Like... I guess like culture shock in a sense, or how 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 has it gone for you, Stian, to sort of jump across like half the world and then having settled in in a quite a different culture from Norway, even though it's both Western countries. But I, I think you put it very well as I was coming over. Like the U.S. very much is a developing country hiding in industrialized clothes. 
It, I mean, it's a young country. I mean, if, on the scale of yeah. humanity, yeah. it would be if Europe is grown up, they, they, they still are teenagers. It, it, they have a really short history and they are still growing and learning, which is kind of a good thing because when we did and that... And fucking it up in a lot of ways. But <laughs> that's probably a different topic. Yeah, but if, if we take a look at European history in, in like 1500s, we killed, uh, I mean, they killed thousands and thousands of people for stupid reasons so they are not fucking that up that much the u.s is doing the same as europe did they're just doing it faster <laughs> yeah yeah faster yeah. and in very different scale yeah for sure yeah, yeah. so but, yeah um, how, how how and what <laughs> how and what those and are the why <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh Coming from Norway uh, and being slightly introverted in the Norwegian sense, uh, where Norway is, uh, the Norwegians tend to get uh, talked of as being like cold and like closed up. Uh, coming to the US, it's very easy to get to know people because they're so welcoming on like a surface level. Whereas in Norway, you kind of tend to stick to your your uh, your friends from growing up. I would say that's like nobody talks to each other on the bus in Norway because that that it's like it's frowned upon but here you can't go anywhere without people commenting on your clothes or like what you order at the the the, the deli or that would like annoy me so much <laughs> <laughs> yep I'm just being so honest well too. fuck you yeah. too <laughs> yeah <laughs> Absolutely, and but but I went uh, uh, went here with like I had to have an open mind because I'm going there. It's not like yeah. they are coming yeah. to me and then they have to uh, adapt to my way of living. I'm going to them and having to try to understand the uh, their ways of living. So uh, it's it's been a challenge, and you always have to. You don't have to put on a smile, but you have to be like ready for social interactions every time you step out of the door. And I oh. feel like that's something I didn't have to think about in Nor Norway because you could just look the other way and nobody would bother you. But here you, yeah. So so that's, I would say that's the biggest uh, difference. And also I'm right now I'm in Berkeley. So that's uh, on the West Coast, close to San Francisco, as we talked about. And it, uh, I would say this is the, probably the most progressive place in all of the US. Yeah. So it doesn't mm -hmm. feel too far from home. Uh, I would I would guess if I went to the, the South uh, in the US, it would be a completely different story because uh, it feels so polarized because they have the two-party system in uh, in the parliament, whilst we have, I don't know, eight or nine big parties mm -hmm. in parliament. Back Something home. like it, yeah. So we have more of a um a, a it's not as polarized because you have more to choose from like in a political sense so people here are i it feels more like either or uh at the moment the the pandemic or the president has said the pandemic is not a thing anymore but some people still wear uh two layers of face coverings and other people have never wore, wore face coverings at all so there's there's so it's, it's either or it's like black or white there's no gray zones in between so that's uh, a big difference i would mm -hmm. say there are probably more nuances in europe by exactly what you said like more representation of of different ideas in the political landscape of each and every country uh that that 
that's a that's a good point i think did you feel the same jan when you when you went to the us like this, the, this um the way that people approach you uh very like uh, friendly but abruptly like yes i don't know you, you but to, i want to talk to you yeah, yeah yes but you have to be careful about it it's not friendly in a sense there's a difference between being honestly friendly and being polite And my experience from, especially being in California, is being people being polite. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? How can I help you today? It's service. It's trained. It's not sincere. Mm -hmm. If they ask you how you're doing today, they don't want to fucking listen to your life story. Yeah. <laughs> they just want to hear, oh, I'm fine. How are you? So they automatically prepare that answer, and then they show you whatever you want to do. Like, it's, it's not on a sincere basis and it's 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 kind of similar actually to Japan if you look at it because Japan is also really polite yeah a little bit more sincere probably than the US but mostly like the politeness uh, is a train thing um uh, yeah uh, like i said it's <laughs> like so 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 but i i had the feeling when i was in Japan at least they had their face expression under control while doing it While you, if you're in the U.S., at least when I used to live there, you walk into like a, a store or something and they would ask you and the, the, the voice would sound friendly and you look at them and they're like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yeah, the clothing's over there. <laughs> well, what do you think? Is Japan more friendly? Is the U.S. more friendly? Uh, that's an interesting one. I mean, it's 13 years ago now that I lived in Japan. At that point, like most of the clubs were still run by the Yakuza before they had a big cleanup. And at that point, like Japan was super racist because like if you were a foreigner, you were not allowed service in a lot of those places. Uh, but they were there was there was no superficialness about it, I felt like. It was very upfront and clear about their intention. Yeah. I mean, it's the Yakuza. Ma I mean, maybe they, means they, they, no. They didn't put things in between. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't throw you out, but they would say maybe, and maybe it basically means no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, mean, I felt like it was more honesty in Japan, but yeah. maybe not that much more politeness. Yeah. yeah um, from my point of view and my experience, uh, as you said, Raz, that that's very true. Japan is very upfront with it. Like you will see in, in the wind, windows of so many shops and restaurants, no foreigner here. Uh, we don't want them. And, and that, that's clear. That's um, illegal. They can't do that in Japan. And uh, I've seen many um, cases uh, on, on TV, like the, the news of being um, people being arrested for doing so. And um, even in the uh, stadium, there was a... a, a football game soccer game uh, where uh, half of the stadium was forbidden to foreigner supporters uh, oh. by, by Japanese supporters and so it was unlawful and big problem on TV and they talked about that and so on and so on uh, but yeah they are very upfront when they are racist they don't hide it uh, mm -hmm. they can have this uh, tradition of being um, nationalist and proud of it uh, but it's also because they have this emperor which is a the the 
the paternal figure, the father figure of uh, of the country, and they fought for him during the wars and and so on and so on. But it, it's now uh, a, a real, real um, a small minority, and and the country is usually super welcoming and and super. Um, the, Open, open about their culture. Open about the fact that you are welcome if you are a tourist. Traditional, mm-hmm. yeah, no, open. yeah, very open to tourists. Like you, will, if you go to Japan, you will be treated very well with respect. You will be absolutely. Uh, you, you will have everything that you need, and people will will do their best for you to get back to your country with a really good memory of Japan. If you are moving to Japan, that's a different story. Yeah, like you have to earn your right to to be there, so to speak. Um, yeah, and you're never gonna be Japanese. No, that's that's something that you have to to keep in mind. You will never be Japanese. You can you can get the nationality uh, for in very very specific cases. Like if you are a, a famous and very good uh, soccer player, you will get the nationality because they like good players in the national team. So they will give it to you so you can now play for Japan and and hopefully uh, give them a win. Uh, you can start your own cult in Japan. So that's absolutely freaking Ooh, brilliant. Tell me more. Blacksmithing <laughs> <laughs> Church of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can create your cult, your church, whatever. And it, that's a sp- uh, very specific um, uh, thing to check on your uh, form when you apply for a visa for Japan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, are you a cult leader? Yes, I am. So I want I want a visa to go there. Um, wow. I need to try that. I don't sure if I should, but I want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, you you'll never be Japanese. And and I'm I'm um I'm gonna I'm gonna say it even even more clear if I may. Like if you move to Japan, you are you have to uh, be aware that you need to earn your place there every single fucking day. You have yeah. to, if you don't work, if you are not polite, if you don't respect the law, if you don't respect other people, uh, they will let you know. Like one day I was um, at home because I was not teaching on Mondays. I, I had a day off, like Sunday, and I managed to have, have a day off on Mondays. So I have I had a weekend, two days in a row, to be with my wife and my kid. And uh, um, Deliverer, the postman uh, from Amazon, came to the house. I opened the door, and usually it was my wife that opened the door to receive all my fucking orders about uh, tools and leather and stuff. And that day, that was me. So he was like, oh, you're not working. And it was like, it, it was the first day... Um, that is he, he, the first time that he saw me being at home. So it was like surprising for him to see a man being at home during, during the, the afternoon. Day. Yeah, during the day, mm. because like you're not working. Are you unemployed or are you on vacation or what? what's happening here? Because mm. if you are not working in Japan, they will see you as... Um, Burden, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As, as something that is not you are not contributing to society. So, when when you are talking about settling in and 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 the the shock of cultures, uh, you have to, I I mean I only have this experience with Japan, 
but going there as a tourist and going there to work is two, two completely, completely different, different experiences. Yeah. And, and you have to earn the right to be there every single day when you are working there. Mm-hmm. They will allow you to do whatever you want to do uh, with certain limit uh, when you are a tourist. But when you are living there, you must live the way they live their life because now right. you're part of the country and you have to mm. adapt and not impose the way you live. Um, so it, it's very, very interesting, but you have to be to be aware of all of that. If, if, if I may sort of turn that to the US, mm. what, yes. sort of uh, to your experience and maybe Jans as well, like where's sort of the limit of when you start to be treated as being an American. That that is great. This is actually where I started when when I said in, in Japan you're never gonna be like Japanese. In the US, it's because it's a young country and let's be be honest, there's not really natives. Um for me it was moving over to the US. In Germany I was I'm dual citizen. So in Germany I was always the American. And in the US I started being treated as like the German, but not in a completely different way as in Germany I was the American for like you're not basically you're not fitting in it was more uh in the u.s people were like oh so you're german but that's that's it for them because it's like the other guys come from england the other one is uh, basically second generation from poland the next one is like everybody came from a european country for so for them it's just it's like oh so like what brought you here but not like it doesn't matter if you're actually there so in, in in a really short time, I had the feeling of being really included. Like it it was mentioned at the beginning. And because of what I lived through in Germany, I was just like, oh, shit. But it honestly, like it did, they didn't mind. They didn't care. How's it been for you so far? I think it's yeah. mostly the same. But that being said, it, um, I guess we both have an advantage of being white male. So there's uh, at least... Uh, and yeah also this is a, a university city so mm-hmm. there are a lot of foreigners here so i don't think i've ever felt like not being welcome because of that uh it's also just oh why are you here not who are you and what why are you here because of who you're or where you're from yeah and also one has to say, like, I've moved over there in 2004. I moved to Cali in 2005. So it's been a heck of a long time <laughs> when I moved there. And it was the end of, um, not to go into, into, like, being too political, but it was the end of the Bush era, like the starting of Obama. Mm-hmm. And you had the feeling like the whole country was, like, kind of in an uprise, like the, the like, there was change in the air a lot and there was like a whole positive sense it's like the whole country was as as well let's say at least in california you had the feeling like the whole country was moving in a direction which was overly positive so um during that time i really much enjoyed it because there was just like wherever you were there were like people talking about changes and stuff happening and yeah that was that was nice during that time so um I, I really enjoyed the time while I was living there. I think Stiana has a very good point. We are all white dudes uh, coming from white countries, moving to the US, if that's the case. So you, you are more, um, the, the chances are higher to get accepted 
uh, when you do that. And even in Japan, if you come to, from France, the first question will be, uh, where are you from? Oh, France. Oh, France. Paris, uh, Napoleon, uh, La Tour Eiffel, Je Oh, it's the same, 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 same thing. One in same thing. Oh, Mercedes. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they will, they, they know a little bit about the country and about the culture, and they know that you are not an enemy. When when you come from the US and and, and <laughs> yeah, but the, the, that that's that's how I was treated. Like I was welcome because I was French, and I had a very good friend when I was a student over there. Uh, who came from New York. He was he was American. So the question for him was, "Oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm American," and that was it. The, the conversation stopped there because the relationship, the history between the two countries is completely different uh, compared to the, the French and Japanese one. I mean, the war and, and how it ended and everything. So I guess we are, um, uh, quote unquote, paying uh, a debt to our history, our country and the relationship that the, the country you're from and your country you're going to uh, had uh, over the centuries, um, but also uh, in the US, I feel that it can go a lot better because every everybody's. If we are being honest, in the US, everybody is an immigrant, uh, unless you're Native American Indian uh, or Native. I don't remember nat uh, Native American Indian. Native, yeah, Native, Native American First Nation. Yeah, First First Nation people in the U.S. Everybody is an immigrant, an immigrant from UK, from Europe, from whatever. They, they, you you can be the son of a son of the son of the son of the immigrant, but you're still not from the U.S. Uh, even though you have been born there. So there's probably a more um, open state of mind in the US uh, to some extent or to, uh, towards people that move to the US to start their life again compared to other countries like especially in Japan which is kind of an island has been isolated for hundreds of years have grown as a country like completely closed uh, over itself um, the relation is, is really is really different between being a tourist and, 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 and moving to some place and being accepted. But whatever you do, wherever you go, I think the most important thing to, to settle and to be welcomed in a country is to just respect the culture and the way people live uh, where you, you're moving in. I mean, it's like I, I told you guys, like when I have a guest, I don't expect him to shit on my carpet in the middle of the living room. Yeah. Uh, it, like it's the same for for people in their own country when you are you are having guests either they are tourists or, or people trying to start over their lives uh, you want them to adapt to to the culture i think in france we have a completely different approach because we are trying to uh, absorb all the culture of all the people that are coming to the country and so now the the, the French culture is very different because it, because it's been turned into something completely new uh, by this mix of all the different cultures so yeah I don't know where I'm going with that just just a thought yeah sort of just just with the whole moving over to the US thing like you've been here a couple of times before 
but actually living here now for months, was there something that was like really surprising or shocking to you? I mean, homeless people and in California and, and all of that is and housing crisis is a chapter by itself, but something. Uh, apart from that, I don't think I would say there's something shocking. And of course, I've been to the, the to San Francisco before, so I've seen the homelessness. So I kind of knew that. But uh, yeah, I don't think there was anything very shocking apart from the the housing prices. Like yeah. the, rent, the rent for this tiny apartment is, uh, I don't know, maybe 30% more than I pay in mortgage for my big house back home. Of course, this is in the city and that is outside the city, but still, yeah. th- it's such a big difference over rent prices. But I guess this is also like the most expensive part of the US, except for maybe Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think, I-, I can't think of anything that was like shocking or so different. I didn't think of it before I came here. So you've not seen people walking ducks on a leash or brushes <laughs> no. on a leash or stuff no, like that? No, I mean, there, there's in the whole sort of homelessness thing, a couple of times when we have been walking, you just suddenly been like, and we are crossing now. And because you notice like there's some crazy looking people up mm. ahead and just to minimize, also because we're Norwegian, like we just minimize contact with weirdos. It's like, yeah. it's just so much easier to just cross the street and don't have that interaction. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel yeah. unsafe? No, I, at least I haven't felt unsafe, but it's, I noticed uncomfortable. like, uncomfortable. Un- no, it's just like, no, that's clearly just a situation that could become uncomfortable. And it's just so much easier to just not have it when you have the option. But I'm also noticing like, like I don't have the awareness when we're walking or I'm maybe more more just looking at all the buildings because like having this 99% invisible, an architectural podcast based in Oakland, like next town over, it's like really fascinating to just have that podcast in the back of my mind and just looking and seeing things and thinking about the architecture of things. I'm, I'm very distracted, but Stian having been here a while and probably having had a couple of those interactions before, I realized like, no, I don't want more of those. And then, like, keeping an eye out and realizing that, oh, if you just cross the streets, it's not an interaction. Yeah, because not not the extent that I don't want to talk with Americans. It's just that the homelessness here is mostly because, or in my in my experience, the homelessness is mostly because of mental health issues. So when you, the homelessness you meet wouldn't necessarily be in the right state of mind to meet people. So in order to minimize the the situations <laughs> uh it's easier to just avoid them because that's the the easy thing yeah, it's kind of what i remember can, can i ask you a question this jan um you, you've been in the us for how long now uh almost four months almost four months so yeah okay um um you you've moved to the us with your wife so yep. you're it's not you're not alone over there um, so I, ge- I guess the uh, answer is maybe, I don't know, I have no idea, a little bit different compared to the one that Raz, Jan and I could could uh, answer to the same question because we were doing this thing on our own. Uh, what was the most difficult thing that you had to face uh, in the US since you moved in? Like, w- what's the most difficult thing? Not only like talking to people, but uh, do you miss your family? Do you miss Norwegian food? Do you miss uh, hearing uh, people talking in Norwegian? 
what what's the most difficult thing that you you had to face uh, the most difficult thing i would say is finding finding friends or like meeting people with the same interest uh, that is outside my wife's colleagues or my wife's friends because it's so easy to just uh to just uh, follow along when they're having like after work beers or, or or doing the stuff like that uh and then having to uh, or not being um employed anywhere so not having anything like schedule out five days a week uh, for my own and then having to like go out on my own finding things to do meeting new people uh, starting from scratch I think that would be the most difficult thing uh, because when uh, even though I moved like an hour away from where I grew up back home in Norway, it's still just an hour. So the family is kind of close. Friends are kind of close. Uh, and also the culture is the same. So it's that's not like a big yeah. problem. But then going over here where I know nobody and don't know much about like the day to day life that was the the big difference or the big the most difficult thing was just like mm. finding my own way i would yeah. say even though even though we're uh, we are two she's working five days a week so yeah i bet she's she's a lot out of the house because of our studies and and so you yes. get not lonely but alone uh yeah a lot so yeah yeah Jan, do you remember what was the, the most difficult thing for you to do or to face? In, oh, that's, in, that's in it. Not, not the most difficult thing. Like going back to what you said with the differences, like what came to shock, we're all used to American pop culture. Mm -hmm. It's actually funny to see the small differences when you're there. And it's really like small things, like as far as I can remember, like going at a gas station, you have to prepay before you're putting gas. So as a European, you're standing there, you're putting the nozzle and you're wondering why there's no fuel coming. And the guy's already looking at you funny, like out of the thing. like, is he trying to steal fuel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, um, that's like the small things, like the small differences where you're not used to it because everything you th think is so Western or like yeah. the, the almost close to you. Uh, same if you go out for dinner and um, basically uh, you... you you're having your meal and you're still eating and they're already coming by and you're just dropping off. Like they ask you two times, do you want anything more? And you're like, just, no, no, I'm, I'm fine at the moment. And they're coming and they're putting the check down no, fuck. while you're still yeah. eating. That's something okay, that yeah. never had happened in Europe. And you're like, are they throwing me out now? It's like, is something wrong? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can have so the it's, feeling it's those, to be pushed out. Yeah, exactly. And there's so many of those like small things that are different where you suddenly realize, oh no, it's, it's, it's not like that. And Then on the other side, there's stuff that's so similar to Europe. Uh, the most difficult first thing for me was moving over to the US on the East Coast. I didn't make any friends within the first year, mainly because I was working six days a week. I made a conscious decision to not just hang out with the German co-workers that were over there because I moved there for like to stay there. And it was really hard to make friends with people living up in like the Connecticut, New York area. Mm -hmm. because it's all which school you went through. Basically, most of them went to the same university, had their friends from like college, high school, and then they got married like in college mm -hmm. or a little bit later. So for me being young, like 21, there were already people that had had their like second child yeah. during that time. Yeah. 
Yeah. They, they're already like for me that was unthinkable with like 21 it's like wow life just started <laughs> yeah and they were like yeah we 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 built our family and we're meeting those for barbecue like our friends or neighbors for barbecue and i'm like yeah nah that's not me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um over in california it was so much easier because there was university close well which also wasn't connecticut to be fair but california had the feeling of it was way easier to meet people and make friends mm -hmm. but for the first year i actually thought about moving back because i was not able to connect to people yeah right what was the case what 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 was uh moving to japan for you yeah um for me it, it was the weird thing of being so culturally isolated mm -hmm. because like yeah no like I made some friends in in the class I got, went to, but like, not a lot of people speak English in Japan, and like my Japanese was never got good while I was there, and it's still not very good. It's so, improving. Like, um, yeah, thank you, but I mean, <laughs> th this is also like ten plus years after the fact. Yeah. So it it was even worse then. So like, it was really hard to have meet someone in japan unless they actually spoke english and yeah. at that point they needed to speak english well enough that i could communicate with them and make friends with them so that, that was a big struggle back then yeah but i mean apart from that like i knew i was going into a very different culture which was part of why i went to japan because yeah. it was like the opposite end of the scale of going to the us where it's sort of quote-unquote everybody in, in norway did yeah And I, I could have done that. I could have had like an easy time in the US or in, in England or something, or maybe Australia, mm. uh, which could have been the smart thing to do. But I wanted different experiences. Uh, mm. So I was very prepared for a lot of that, but not to the degree of being unable to communicate with people. Yeah. How, how was it for you in that sense? Um, I did it twice when I was uh, the first time when I was student uh, to uh, go to Japan to go to a Japanese college and to improve my Japanese to so it was to learn uh, at the time I was kind of very um, I, I, I was able to speak Japanese but I felt limited in in the things that I could express like like my feelings and and my goals in life I, I, day, daily conversation was fine but having a, a real, uh, I don't want to say philosophical uh, conversation, but like deep uh, conversation with someone was, was a struggle, was hard, because I was just lacking vocabulary. Um, so the first time it was, it was uh, very difficult to just express uh, ideas and feelings and, and, and ask more about what I really wanted to learn about Japan and Japanese people. But it was also, as the three of you, difficult to meet people because you you go to school, you hang out with the people that, that go to the same school and when you go back, like you can go back to your house or yeah, you, you're kind of lonely and it's very difficult to meet people and to build up a, a relationship with, with someone, especially when the culture is so different. The second time I was I was going there to teach, so it was like years later, and I was my Japanese uh, level was completely different. I was I was teaching yeah. Japanese at the time, so um, my speech was like freed. I, I was able to say whatever the fuck I wanted to say, uh, but still it was very difficult to to meet people and to uh, to make friends because I I spoke Japanese too well at the time. 
um, there is this this weird stuff that is is said in 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 um, in, in Japanese culture is it, like you have to have the right amount of knowledge about Japanese culture in order to not offend anyone, and you have to be able to talk Japanese enough to be understood, but not to understand everything that's going on around you. They want to apparently, and and I've witnessed that uh, quite a few times. They don't like you to be able to understand everything that they could say when they are sitting next to you. Like being being a foreigner in Japan is nice because you can make yourself being understood when you speak in Japanese. But when you are not speaking Japanese. Everybody assumes that you don't speak Japanese. Yeah. So you can listen to people's conversation in restaurants, and it's it's, it's really fun. It's like <laughs> having this sneak peek and and being a little bit of a stalker uh, without doing anything wrong because it it it's they not just like, assume you you're not yeah. getting it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of funny being being uh, in that kind of situation. Like, oh, he doesn't understand what what I'm saying, and and you turn around and say, the fuck, I understand. Yes. Uh, you're talking about me and you can engage conversation and make new friends um but yeah they, they, they don't want you to understand everything because you are not supposed to uh whereas i bet when you go to, to the us uh, people assume that you understand english and you speak english because like you are a white guy so you're wherever you come also, from also it's the us they assume they are the default for the rest of the world yes yeah probably and and maybe rightly so because we are we are all sharing the same pop culture as as we've said since the beginning of the podcast like three or four times like we we watched american movies we listen to american music we know about american politics we know about, about american history it's the, i mean the, the very existence of the us is part of our culture in whatever the fuck we are from uh we know that I mean, country it's, it's filtered through the lens of our own culture but but yes i mean they don't import culture from europe apart from the people coming and even then the, they yeah. want all of the people coming to assimilate to americanness yes, yes. but also in the in the us is basically or compared to japan i went to japan for work only like weeks so very briefly but i felt like walking on eggshells the whole time and i still yeah. do that at work like every single day i deal with my colleagues over in japan I'm like really conscious about how I communicate with them. So to not piss anyone off or to like make anyone lose their face. So it's really hard in the US. I never had that feeling. I've never had the feeling of like walking on eggshells. The, the culture gap is so wide between the Western countries and Japan that you have to be careful. And it's a good thing that you are careful because you want, if you want to keep good relationship, when you are probably dealing with people from the US, you are like sharing the same base of base of language and culture so you can sort things out if it goes sideways you can say no that's what not what i meant and and go back on track somehow uh with asia it's, it, it, it's i think a little bit different but so something you would have to focus on probably yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh look at him being sorry, sorry with himself sorry yeah it was just like ah. <laughs> uh Stian? Did you have something you want to kick off? Uh, yeah, so being here um, on my own <laughs> most of the days, I've been watching a lot of YouTube. And uh, the 
the YouTube channel I've been uh, most uh, fond of whilst being here is a guy, uh, well, I think he has a homestead or like a small farm uh, in the nor northwest part of uh, US in Oregon or Washington state or something. Uh, but uh, he's been doing a series on uh, restoring uh, a uh, small bulldozer. So uh, his name or his channel name is Pacific Northwest Hillbilly. So he's doing it like, uh, I wouldn't say on the cheap, because he, he does buy all the parts he needs and stuff, but he's doing it in his own garage. And I think he doesn't have any anything... Um, it, it doesn't work with it at work. It's not like his main source of income, but it does it for for a side gig or for his own sake. Oh, that sounds so I've been fantastic. loving the videos because there's been a lot of them. I think maybe 30 videos right now. And it's only been like, it's only come so far as to uh, take everything apart. And now he's painting and it's getting ready to put it back together. So it's and, been and interesting. It, so how broken was the bulldozer? Uh, he bought it uh, as being a fixer-upper, right. but it, when he started taking it apart, it turned out to be much worse than what he thought when he bought it. So he thought he had a good deal when he bought it, mm. but I guess that's the thing with big heavy machinery. It always is worse than it seems on the outside. Right. Cool. That seems interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get the proper link from you yep. later on. Red? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's going to be me. Talking yeah. about uh, the culture shock and the Japanese thing, um, I started watching on Netflix um, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Oh, and no. it is freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. Just um, if you have the chance or had the chance to play Cyberpunk, that one hits home and it makes like, I started up my computer for the last couple of weeks and I um or the, for the last couple of days I would have to say and started playing um cyberpunk again because just that that series is w w wants you to do more yeah so cyberpunk edge runners on Netflix cool and like we visited Leah Arpach yesterday uh, she's a brilliant uh, metal sculptor, I think is the right way she would like to say it. Uh, does a hell of a lot of welding, has been getting into blacksmithing over the last couple of years. And makes a, this very disturbing and creepy uh, picture plants. It's one of her uh, really like sign-off pieces, or signature mm -hmm. pieces. But like her sculpture work is really amazing. And there's a lot of vari var variety in it. And I even got a sneak peek at uh, the butler opening she's making for the Maker Swap at Maker Camp, which also is looking kind of cool. But proper focus, like um, my my brothers gave me a birthday gift back in March to a show, and they just gave me like the time and the date and told me to show up. Okay. So I I did. I was like, okay, well, when, where, and all of that, and I was like, well at this place this time and I show up and I was like there's a fucking line what the hell is this and I was like it's not a line it's like a, the massive queue going all the way around the venue to the backside and it took me I mean I wasn't very late compared to like not normally so to speak mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like it took me half an hour 40 minutes just to get inside the venue 
uh, and turns out I went, I got tickets with my brothers. They were already there, uh, and because they they had been eating together, I had the market, so I was late because of that and shit. But they were already inside, and there was uh, a Irish comedy trio doing sketches on the show that I have never heard about before, and they're called Foil Arms and Hog. And like they have all kinds of weird humor, but it's very much like uh, sketch based. It's a lot of um, audience interactions where they sort of spend the first sort of 10, 15 minutes getting to know the audience and single pe- single people in the audience. And then they start using that bit of information through all of their sketches. So of course, when it, when it came to being Norway, they also had uh, like a Norwegian phrases book open. And one of the words he had learned himself was haskook, which is horsecock. <laughs> so whenever he wanted to insult one of the other Irish fellow, he tried to do it in Norwegian. <laughs> which, I mean, when he was holding the book and can look at all the letters, it sounded like it was supposed to be that word. And then as the show progressed, like the words deteriorated and it got weirder and weirder. <laughs> and the same with place names he was trying to, to name out and all of that. But and great, great fun. And they, they have TikTok things, they have a YouTube channel, which I think is maybe the best place to see them. But I'll, I'll leave all the links in. That's, that's uh, nice. Foil, Arms and Hog. So yeah, nice. great bit of fun. Cool. Do you have, have you figured something out, Red? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I didn't, uh, I worked a lot this weekend and didn't spend a lot of time on the socials to... Uh, getting how uh, about what people are making but i was talking about different culture and especially pop culture i probably uh, already put my focus on that show but it's an american show called yellowstone and i talked to you yeah. uh, mm-hmm. guys uh, about that show it's about <clears throat> a ranch of uh, a landowner in the yellowstone um, and he wants to keep his culture, his family, his ranch protected from bank investors, people who want to steal his land, uh, his land, uh, which is kind of weird because it was uh, before the ranch or the land was in his family, it was from the natives of Yellowstone. So there is also that. Uh, uh, I, I really like that show. I'm rewatching it at the moment, uh, waiting for season four or five to to uh, be uh, out. Uh, I really like uh, the way it's constructed, and and the the, the actors are just fantastic. Uh, Kevin Costner is playing the main character, but it's yeah. a very very interesting show about what is um, what is it to be American. What is it to be an immigrant and and yet uh, loving your land so much that you become an American? I think that's that's the way you can see the show um, and protecting you yourself, your family, your culture uh, against everything that wants to to destroy it. Um, it's not super patriotic and and like uh, we are the best. Uh, it's just about a family. Uh, and a culture. If you if you take that family as the country, uh, it it gets very very interesting, and and the show is is beautifully uh, done. One other thing I want to mention is that I uh, took a 
look at our uh, analytics on SoundCloud uh, and turns out that the two places where we are the most uh, we have the most listeners is Calgary in Canada and Detroit in the US. So if you are from Canada and Calgary and uh, in the US, Detroit, and you are listening to us, thank you. Uh, and what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and yeah, reassess your <laughs> life choices, guys, because something is wrong. <laughs> but no, so sincerely, thank you for listening to three European guys and and our um, yeah our chats and and yeah, it's, it's means a lot to us. Or it's all Jamie Reader using VPNs. Oh, That's can, also a possibility. Can, can be that <laughs> as well. <laughs> but yeah, any nice, last nice. little bits? Not this week. Not this oh, week. No. Stan, thank you so much for uh, uh, feeding Raz, I guess. Th- exactly. <laughs> th- thank, thank you. Thank you um, for being on the show. And um, <laughs> I hope to see a you. Home, giving a home to Raz. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. It was hope, to, fun. hope to see you next year again at, at Mika Central if you can make it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would be I great. just put it in my calendar. So hopefully I'll be there. Perfect. That's my plan. Sounds great. Oh, that's that's one of the last bits, right? Mega Central got announced. Uh, Is it I'm official? Sure they, I I'm not sure it's official dates yet. Yeah, so maybe yeah. we yeah, shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. So, shh. Yeah. We'll talk I, about that I, I, as I soon hope, as we can. I hope Mega Central is going to happen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Around May next year. Maybe, maybe the first weekend. Hopefully. And, mm, I, <laughs> same, same procedure as every year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I thought I had a last little bit. No, you don't. Of a thing. Thanks, guys. Have a nice week. Well, yeah, I do because oh, by the time this okay. is out, I I can actually inform people that I will be at Maker Camp. Okay. Yes. So, so I will also because do. Steve found out because John stu- was stupid and posted about it, and or Steve was stupid and saw it. I'm not sure who I should blame. I I, I gave it a fifty-fifty chance that Steve will forget <laughs> soon anyway. But everyone yeah. else, I will be at Maker Camp in upstate New York and. Uh, then it's the new madness of doing classes in Norway or class, classes markets in Norway again before Christmas. Ooh, but I there is a wee chance that I will be having a pile of two by seventy two grinders for sale in Norway. Only so, in Norway. Well, if you are in Denmark, Sweden, or Norway, you I could ship it, I think. But of course, Norway being the easiest of the three. You still have my address, so. Yeah, yeah, but you're French. Yeah, but you owe me a sword. And you can find us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us collectively, you can get us at two thirds focused in any of the most social places and me at Rasmus Lewin and Lewinsmed.no. And you can find me at uh, the Red Smith or Red Smith uh, everywhere on the social and more specifically at theredsmith.com. And you can find me at nerdinventor.com where you have links to all the social. And you, Stian? Uh, I'm at uh, Instagram at Stian Sörus CC. There's going to be links. Sörus with an O. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. Because <laughs> the spelling is going to be. <laughs> yes. Thank you for letting me stay. And indulging us with Americanness, I guess, or Norwegian viewed Americanness. I'm not sure how I'm going with that, yeah. but yes, <laughs> something like it. Thank you, Thank you Stan, Stian, for uh, being our guest today. And guys, 
Have a good week. Bye-bye. Have a good week. Bye.